Christianity's been renamed, rebranded, neglected, abandoned, just a relic on the ash heap of a culture-pleasing, user-friendly, emerging church. All I see emerging is a mere shadow of the true gospel. And it is powerless. Modern pulpit jockeys misguided in morality, deficient in doctrine, and derelict to their duty. Speak in silly, smiling, juvenile tones about everything except what the head of the church said justly warrants the greatest emphasis. Arguably, the greatest preacher of the 19th century, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this, let eloquence be flung to the dogs. And you think I'm graphic. Let eloquence be flung to the dogs rather than souls be lost. What we want is to win souls and they are not to be won by flowery speeches. I at least ought to have preachers shouting. There's a proliferation of preachers professing to be Pentecostal, but their poverty of power exposes them and their faux gospel. Gospel preaching's purpose has never been to collect a crowd or to pacify the people. It's entirely possible and biblically probable to have less attenders and greater anointing. I'm about to wind up here. It's called multiplication by subtraction, preacher. Gideon was well versed in the subject matter. What would you do if your Sunday morning attendance dropped from 30,000 to 300? You'd quit. Be seated. Shout if. if. Revival. 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 If. 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 Then revival. These sugar-coated Sunday sermons about success in life are better suited for self-help seminars at the local hotel than Pentecostal churches. Just feel-good little talks carefully crafted to please everyone and offend no one. The gospel's simply too bitter and biblical too, too hard to chew. And harder yet to swallow. Modern churchgoers want their sin to be tolerated and their compromise to be condoned. Like candid decays your children's teeth. These syrupy confections are rotting the souls of men. Somebody just wave a little Presbyterian hand. 
because tonight everything changes. Tonight, tonight, we set ourselves head on with a collision course with the forces of darkness. Tonight, we take our families back and we're gonna let hell know it. Tonight, we take our cities back. Tonight, we take our neighborhoods back and we free ourselves from the chains of religion and ritual, denominationalism and demon power, terror and timidity. And tomorrow, we're about to change the world. Shout, it's not you shouting. Oh, shout, there's an anointing on that shout. I feel it. I feel it. Somebody needs to get loud. Somebody needs to make everybody around you uncomfortable with your fervency. The winds of revival are beginning to blow. I can sense the moisture of miracles in the air. It's raining upstream. There's a downpour coming. A culture shaken, God exalting, devil defeating, revival. If, only if. So I'll ask the question, who are the people of God? If my people, let's thin the herd. I got any deer hunters? Where's my deer hunting buddy? Is he here? Where is he? Jerry, isn't he? Huh? Stand up, Jerry. Jerry takes me deer hunting. And sometimes Jerry will put me on a cull. What's a cull, Jerry? An inferior deer that you do not want reproducing in your herd. How about we cull the herd, thin the crowd, sort the fish? Some of you are like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Who are the people of God? Where are those prophets who will weep between the porch and the altar with clarion voices call us back to the discarded values of the past? Where is that worship team singing instead of Jesus is my lover? Hallelujah, thy the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thy the glory. Revive us again. God, give us a revival. Somebody blow the trumpet in Zion. Somebody sound an alarm. Somebody call a solemn fast. 
somebody sanctify the people of God. Oh, I'm, I'm going to ask you another question. Be seated. Oh, where are the children of the people of God? Where are your children? Children are spoken of in your Bible and mine. 2,015 times in 1,500 separate scriptures. Here's what I believe. I'm going to toss it out there. Some of these other preachers can pick it up if they're not too busy blessing you all the way to hell. I'm going to just throw it out there. The destruction of the nuclear family is the downfall of America. Fatherless homes head the list. Why didn't everybody preach from Acts 2.39? This promise is to you and your children, where are they? I pastor, I have people tell me that their 12-year-old wanted to stay home. What? Did they buy their food? Did they purchase their bed? Well, I don't ever look at their phone. I don't want to invade their privacy. They got no privacy. Letting a telephone raise them. Letting an iPad raise them. Where are they? I feel my help coming. Preacher, mom, dad, we are failing our children. In 2004, God the Holy Ghost spoke to me. Here's how I know. I was on the phone. Miss Joanna was sitting right next to me. She was recording the thing. It was a call from the White House. And you say, what did they say? I don't know. Because while they were talking, God spoke up in me. You want to know what he said? You're going to rescue, restore a nation, revitalize a civilization, rescue a generation. It will come two ways. Number one, authentic. And he used the word. It's not a word I like, but he used it. Authentic, because it's overused. Authentic evangelism. Uh, that's where people don't get on a journey. Stop that nonsense. Well, I'm just on a journey. What's a journey? 
Well, you in a rock band? Journey? What, what's a, you having a journey? What you mean is, you ain't decided to stop getting drunk yet. Whoa, 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 whoa. What you mean is, you ain't done listening to the devil's music. What you mean is, you got no prayer life. What you mean is, you ain't on no journey. If you is, you going backwards. If I'd have told my mother, can you imagine me telling my mother, don't even bring up my daddy. This thing's not just for you. It's for your children. Shout even if you're mad. You know what I feel? I feel people. I feel people. Never mind. I promised I wouldn't. Be seated. I'm not done. I'm not near done. Somebody go back here and get some sandwiches or something. Give them to these people. They're used to that 15 minutes worth of nonsense on Sunday morning. And then we wonder why we try to cast out a devil and it spits at us. Why our own children are hanging themselves at 14 years old, taking a gun and putting it under their chin. Haven't you noticed? You think because you go to the meeting that your children are exempt? I'm going to help you. Get my five-week series on hell. It'll change your mind. We're celebrating our children on the way to hell. I feel people like, well, I don't have no children. You got more of an opportunity than anybody. Let's talk about it for a minute. Uh, let's look at the ages that just released two weeks ago, the ages that evangelicals give their lives to Christ. You ready? You want to look at it? 50% before they're 10 years old. You're quiet. Another 25% before their 18th birthday. That 75% of the people in the church today got in it before they were 18. 75%. 11% between 18 and 24. Next, watch what happens to the numbers. 8% between 25 and 34. Next, 6% after they're 35. The average church 
spends 13% of its annual income having anything to do with children under 18. We're making the old folk comfortable while the children are going to hell. I thought I'd get at least a grunt. The layman's preacher, for you that don't ever study and stay in ticky-tack and UD-tube and all of it, His name was Dwight Lyman Moody. He wasn't like millennials, no disrespect. I wouldn't want you to be offended. I'm offended that you're offended. Where no offense is intended, none can be taken. Stop worrying about who. Let me give you a scripture. They unliked you that it might be manifest that they never did like you to begin with. <laughs> Dwight L. Moody was like our generation. Dwight L. Moody, as a teenager, left home, went to find his fortune. He couldn't find a job, so he, his uncle gave him a job. He owned a little shoe shop. And Moody was just a miserable failure. But Moody decided, I'm going to go to Chicago. So he went to Chicago, and when he got to Chicago, he took a job selling shoes, preacher. Selling shoes. While he was selling shoes in Chicago, he became the best salesman that store had ever had. And then God dropped a God idea in him. He said, why are we making people come to our shoe shop to buy our shoes? Why well, I'm going to go down to the train station where all the people already are, and I'm going to sell them shoes down there. He became the greatest shoe salesman in Chicago. He worked 60 hours a week. People think they work now. Yeah, they punch 40 hours. I got my 40 hours in. You don't, you don't get paid because you own the property. I had a nephew of mine. I was paying him around here. And I noticed he's lagging. So I said, we just built, Jonah and I built a football stadium out here for children. Since our boy could never play, we built everybody else one. We did. Joni said when she retires, she's going to put a tent on it. Live there. I said, hey, you putting in how many hours a week? Oh, 40. Okay. C come on out here to this football field. Now, you see this track around it? See all those gravel on it? 
I want you to pick every one of them up. I want you to put it in a bucket. And once you carry it over yonder, that means over there, over yonder, and I want you to deposit it in yonder pile. Well, for how long? Eight hours. Three hours in, he came knocked on my office door. I got the point. I said, no, you ain't got it yet. You got five hours more. He decided to get a job at Chipotle. <laughs> Drydale Moody works 60 hours a week selling shoes. That's like being a podiatrist. No offense, why would anyone ever choose to be a podiatrist? People's nasty feet all day in your face. We had a singer. Flew with me all around the world. And one day, she pulled her shoes off in the airplane. And I said, good God in heaven, woman. Don't you ever take your shoes off in this airplane again. Woo, that's recirculating. Dwight L. Moody works 60 hours a week. Wait. Wait. And he went to his pastor. And he said, Pastor, um, could, could I have a Sunday school class? I, I'd really like to teach. His pastor said, you didn't even finish the fifth grade. No, you can't have a Sunday school class. So Moody said, would you, since this building is three-fourths empty, would you give me five rows every Sunday? What for? I'm going to fill them up with sinners. You're working 60 hours a week. You ain't got time to be in the choir unless you're singing the solo. I'm a creative. I must not have office hours. You are lazy. That's what you are. Everybody here works three or four jobs. I do. Why don't they? You're quiet. We become so soft. We become. We got a crisis of softness. Don't require anything of me. A crisis of comfortability. Should have put wooden benches in here. 
built a chain link fence, 12 foot tall with razor wire on the top, and dared you to try to get in here. Why are you laughing? Who told you this was easy? Go find them. Write them a letter and call them a liar. Sixty hours a week. When anybody here asked your pastor if you could fill up five rows every Sunday morning with sinners? No. For five years, every single Sunday morning of the world, every seat in five rows in that church was filled with a sinner, and he would never allow anyone to sit in them twice. So, Moody said, this isn't enough for me. Still working 60 hours a week, still filling up five pews every Sunday with sinners. Not some recycled problem believer. I wish some of you pastors around here would call me before you take some of these folks in as members. I could help you. So he said, since I can't teach Sunday school, I'm going to open my own Sunday school. No, 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 no. He didn't spy out the rich part of town and do all the demographics and see if he thought he could get enough people together to pay him $100,000 a year to preach once a week. No, that, that, he didn't do that. You're not used to this, are you? I can tell. So he started his own Sunday school among the urchins, the outcasts, the nobodies, the ones that have an odor. This man was called the prince of preachers of a generation, preaching to well over 20,000 people every time he got behind a pulpit. But that was after. That was after he went and gathered up every little dirty, abandoned, hungry child he could find. How did he get them? How did he, he was like Deborah George. Deborah George shut down, with the help of Valor Christian College students, the large, second largest human trafficking organization in Ohio shut it down, bulldozed. You know how she did it? She'd take these Valor students and she'd load them up with candy and off to the strip joints they'd go and into the darkest areas of this city they'd go. She shut down four four strip clubs within 20 miles of this pulpit. You know how Dwight L. Moody got those children? Out of his own pocket, he bought candy. Out of his own pocket, he had pony rides. 
every Sunday so that those children would be attracted and ended up preaching, winning to Christ well over one million people. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He didn't have, because this just, this just blows my mind, you know. He didn't have a PA system. He didn't have an organist that can do this. Yeah, he didn't have that. He didn't have southbound. He didn't have a light show. He didn't have a salary. He didn't have a typewriter. He didn't have a cell phone. He didn't have a YouTube and a ticket tack. But he knew what Adolf Hitler knew. He who possesses the mind of the children wins the future. See, you're not shouting now. That's talking about how blessed you're going to be. And nobody wants to work in the kingdom. Jesus looked at his own disciples and said, Look at the fields. They're white under harvest. And then he said, thank you for my message, Bible, Phil Driscoll. He said, get on your knees and pray. The Lord of the harvest send forth laborers into his harvest. You ever heard God shout, get on your knees? The average age people come to Christ is 12 years old. What you believe by age 13, you will spend the rest of your life believing. By 13 years of age, you have irreversible belief systems already formed regarding the nature of God, the existence of Satan, whether the Bible's true or false, whether there's a heaven and a hell, by 13. We got to make sure they get in every little league. Adult, there's nothing wrong with little league unless you got church on Wednesday night and they got practice. Well, that's extreme. What do you think Calvary was? What do you think hell is? You want to talk about extreme? 80% of all church leaders operating in the church today, 80% were born again before they were eight years old. It's quiet. It's supposed to be camp meeting. Only 13% of all churches in America list children anywhere in their top three priorities. We have a 10-year opportunity between the ages of 4 and 14, not 42 and 54, when hearts are open to the gospel. 90 million of America's 300 million are between 4 and 14, and 80% of them will never go to church in their life. 
What are we doing? Where are the people of God? Where, where are the people of God? And where are their children? The Biden administration just had to openly admit that the LGBTQ lifestyle means worse mental health and worse addiction. Dr. Jennifer Bowens, director of the Center for Family Studies at the Family Research Council, said every segment of the population currently identifying as LGBTQ plus suffered higher rates of physical, sexual, and verbal abuse as children than the general population. 75 major studies were just released and they have said that abuse among the LGBTQ plus community found that 75% of lesbians and 59% of homosexual men were sexually abused as children. Homosexual men are 657% and lesbians 2,200% more likely to have been sexually molested as children than heterosexual. Yeah, let's march in the streets for that. Let's be ashamed to raise our voices about that. Church, preacher, mom, dad, educator. God, give us some Sunday school teachers. Give us some youth leaders. Give us... Everybody wants to be up there. Nobody wants to be back there. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.